Well, it really is good to see you in this room, those of you who are on campus. For those of you who are online, it's good to have you back with us again this week. And uh, I will have to say, I'm probably the only pastor in America who decides that, hey, we're going to come back on campus, and it goes sub-zero on the morning that, uh, that that happens. So all of you on campus, thank you so much for sliding right on through uh, whatever the road conditions were for you to, to get here and for bundling up, and for looking around and seeing, hey, this place looks different than the last time you were here. Um, and for me, it's good to, to talk to people, because you, you see, for the last couple of months, I've been talking to cameras, assuming you were on the other side of the camera, and now you're actually in the room, so, some of you. And for those of you on the other side of the camera, we're so glad that you're here with us too. Today we're wrapping up um, a, a series that we've called Into the Unknown. And uh, yes, for those of you who have small children, the, this inspiration for the title did come from the movie Frozen, okay? Just, just let you know that. Uh, I was wrestling with what to call this series, and I sat with our communications team and said, hey guys, I need some help because everything I'm coming up with sounds not too interesting. And they, they were kind of throwing out ideas, and, and suddenly uh, one of the members of the team, who's much younger than I am, uh, uh, said, uh, you know, there's this song in the movie Frozen. Now, I have to confess, I've never seen the movie Frozen, okay? I don't even know the characters in the movie Frozen, but, but uh, that's because I don't, you know, I, I, I don't have elementary age or preschool age children in my home. And, and so, when they said, the song talks about going into the unknown, and I, I got it. I figured it out. That, that's perfect. You see, you don't have to be talking about a, about a movie or uh, anything like that to, to know that when you start a new year, when you launch a new year, any new year, you don't really know what's going to happen. And last year was, in, was particularly relevant to that. Because last year, um, all, all of us had all these ideas for 2020. I mean, I know, I know churches that had 2020 vision, all right? That they promoted that for, for years. Well, we're going to have a 2020 vision. We're going to see things clearly. Uh, we're going to see things better than we've ever seen them before. And then we hit the real 2020, all right? I mean, the real 2020 is a whole lot different. And there wasn't a whole lot of clear vision. And so now here we are in 2021. And we really just have to admit, it's, it's going into the unknown. Uh, but what we've discovered in our experience of the last 10 months, 11 months, what we've discovered in our, our journey into God's Word in the book of Acts, is that when you go into the unknown, you don't go by yourself. You go with God there with you. You, you launch into the unknown, and, and, and the same Jesus who promised He would never leave us or never forsake us comes through in the midst of the unclarity of a new year, in the midst of the surprises that happen, we discover that God is with us. And so this morning, as we wrap up the series, I, I, I want you to know that that there is something else besides God's presence with us that we need going into the unknown. And that is this. We need to know that we travel this road. We launch into the unknown together. We travel 
together. Now, some of you are, are sitting in the room or you're watching on demand or online, and you're going, well, I don't know anybody else at Eastside Church. I'm, I'm kind of new to this place. I, I picked up this, this stream along the way uh, during this last year, and, and I don't really know a lot of people. So what do you mean traveling together? Well, no, see, what I know is that in your life, there's somebody, someone somewhere that God has placed in your path for you to know that together you can walk through this. And there's a story in the book of Acts. In, it's in the last few verses of the 14th chapter and the first couple of verses of the 15th chapter that, that tell us the story of two guys, Paul and Barnabas, who we've been watching in this missionary journey they've been doing. And now, now it's the end of the journey. And now it's, it's time for them to come back to the place that sent them out. And I, I wouldn't want to presuppose too much about that, I, even though the cases in Madison County and the, and the transmission rates are, are beginning to drop, and, and even though we're starting to regather here on campus for our ministries, as well as continuing our, our online presence and, and our on-demand presence, I, I wouldn't want to presuppose too much of it, but, but, but I do think we can learn the same lesson that Paul and Barnabas learned. Listen as I read for you from those last few verses of Acts chapter 14 and let you hear the part of the story that we often just kind of overlook so quickly. It starts in verse 24. Now, you have to remember, if you were with us last week, Paul and Barnabas have, they have gone back through all the different cities that they had taken the gospel of Jesus to. They've retraced their steps. They did it with intentionality because they could have very easily just gone on down to a port city, caught a boat, and gone back home. But instead, they go back through each one of those towns where they had told people about Jesus. And as they do that, they're checking in on the people who have committed themselves to Jesus, the people who said, hey, you know what? I'm going to follow this, this Jesus and let him be in charge of my life. And after they check in with every one of those, those little house churches, those groups of people who gathered together in these cities that had never heard about Jesus before, as they, as they do that, they, they now set sail for home. Listen from Acts chapter 14. I'll start reading in verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia, Antioch Pisidia, and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atelia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they, they declared all that God had done with them, and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with those disciples back in Antioch, the city that sent them. But some men came down from the church in Judea. And they were teaching the brothers and sisters in the church in Antioch that unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved by Jesus. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So, Paul and Barnabas go out. They're gone for nearly two years. 
And in two years, they, they travel to places they've never been before. They meet people they've never met before. They, they tell them about Jesus. And now they come back to the sending church, and they, and they gather together with them. And as they do that, they, they, they reconnect with the, the people that sent them out. You see, if we're going to travel together into the unknown, if we're going to find our way into 2021 and what lies beyond us in a way that brings health and stability to our life, then, then what we have to do is, is we have to renew our relationships with other followers of Jesus. To, to, to travel together into the unknown, you can't just stay out in the unknown all the time. After two years of sleeping in beds that weren't their beds, uh, two years of eating foods they'd never eaten before, two years of, of being in places that caused anxiety and, 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 and angst in their life, uh, Paul and Barnabas needed to come home. And they needed to come home for a, a number of reasons. First of all, they, they, they just needed to be with people they knew. They, they just needed to be with people who loved them for them. Years ago, I, I was uh, speaking at a, a minister's conference, and um, I was on a panel discussion after one of the, on the, the sessions, and along with a couple of friends of mine, and um, a young minister in the back. We, we were in our, I don't know, maybe mid-40s, something like that. We'd been pastoring long enough that they thought we actually knew something, all right? We weren't really sure we knew anything, but they thought we did. And, and one of the young men said, hey, um, you guys up there said, how do you handle your own identity when people disagree with you? When people in the, when things are not going well at the church, when, when things are tough and, and anxiety is rolling in, how do, how do you handle that when there's somebody who's kind of pushing back against the church's agenda and they're pointing at you and they're saying, hey, pastor, you're not who you need to be. And if you were who you need to be, we'd be doing this. And, and they just kind of oppose you and they attack you. How do you handle that? And, uh, it was interesting. I thought the guys on the panel with me were my friends, right? But they both just looked at me and went, <laughs> answer that, Kerry. I'm like, no, you, you guys answer that. No, no, you, you answer that, you know, because none of us wanted to tell them the real truth. So finally, I swallowed hard, and I said, okay, first of all, I need you to know, I, I, I've only pastored three churches. I'm, I'm not really experienced with this. That's just three. That's all I've pastored. And, and all three of them have been wonderful groups of people. And I've been blessed really beyond measure with the people that I've served. And so this hasn't happened to me very often. But, but yes, it has on occasion taken place in my life. And can, can I tell you what, what helps me understand how to respond about that, how I keep my self-identity intact? I, I have to remember something. You see, before I ever pastored any church, before I was ever the senior pastor at any church, I married a girl from St. Louis named Becky, and she didn't fall in love with me because I was the pastor of a church. She fell in love with me because my name's Carrie, and I had hair, and I was good looking. At least that's what she told me. And, and she loved me for me. And then when I was pastoring a church, uh, I, God blessed us, and I, and I ended up with two sons. And, and can I tell you that, that when I go home at night, those, those two sons don't care if I'm a pastor or not. In fact, some days they kind of wish I wasn't. But what they know is I'm their dad. 
And what I've come to realize is this, whatever anybody in a church says about me, whatever anybody in, in a community says about me, here's what I know. The people who are closest to me, the people I travel into the unknown with, they love me for me. They don't love me because of what I do. And whether you're a pastor or you're not a pastor, you've never dreamed of being a pastor, here's what I want you to hear today. You are loved for you by Jesus Christ. And you need somebody in your life, somebody you connect with, who loves you for who you are, regardless of what you've done or what you do or what you promise to do. Both my friends looked out at the young minister and said, what he said, okay, that, that's our answer. And what I want you to know in 2021 is that traveling together as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, means that when you do, you, you have to find some people in your life. Now, you may not be a social butterfly. You, you may not be somebody who makes friends easily. It may be tough for you. But can I tell you something? Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto with him. And for those of you too young to know that television story, go look it up on TV Land, okay? The Lone Ranger, episode one, all right? What you've got to know is life was not made for you to do it alone. And traveling together is essential. That's why Paul and Barnabas came back in and stayed quite some time in the city of Antioch. But, but can I tell you? When you travel that way, things get richer and deeper in your life. People speak into your life. Uh, I, several years ago now, uh, became the senior pastor of a church where there was an older minister on the staff. By older, I mean I was about 30 and he was about 70. <laughs> and, um, and I remember when we first started working together, it seemed like every Monday morning he would come into the office and he would, and he would start telling me things about what had happened in some other state at some other church. And finally one day I looked at him and I said, brother, how do you know all that stuff? He said, well, I have five friends. The six of us, the six of us all went to Anderson College together, and this will date him and me, in the 1940s. And we all became pastors, and, we, and we, were, we were close friends, and we spread out all over the country to serve churches. But every Sunday night, none of us knew what we were doing. We, we stepped into those churches, and we were, thought we were prepared, and we discovered we weren't prepared. And so every Sunday night, after our Sunday evening service, after we put our kids to bed, all of us would get on the telephone, and we would call each other. And, and for, at that time, 50 years— those men had every week reconnected. They traveled together. Since the time I first met those guys, um, all of them have died except the fellow that I was telling you about who worked with me. He's now well into his 90s, almost 100 years old. And a few weeks ago, in the middle of the pandemic, he called me to say, hey, Kerry, how you doing? Just checking on you. Just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Listen, if you've got somebody in their 90s praying for you, you're good, y'all. Right? Just going to let you know. They, listen, when they pray, and they've been praying as long as he's been praying, Jesus says, yes, how are you? 
What do you want to do? You know, when some of us pray, it's like, who are you? Or, Where you been? Hadn't heard from you lately. No, 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 no. No, with, 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 with these guys, it's, it's constant. And, and I, I remember putting up the phone after he called me and sitting in my living room at home and thinking, you know what, God? I'm so glad I don't have to do this alone. But there's another thing that takes place. Did you hear it? Let, let, let me read for you again from Acts chapter 14. It's, it's kind of interesting. You, you might miss it. Uh, they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they, they went down to Atalia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. Here's, here's the part. And when they arrived, they gathered the church together. And they declared all that God had done with them and how God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with those disciples. You see, when, you, when you're traveling together into the unknown, you don't just need the renewal of the relationship. Sometimes, sometimes you just need to, to rejoice in the activity of God. And so this morning, I thought we should do that a little bit. Since it's our first time regathering since before Thanksgiving, and since some of you are, are new to our fellowship, some of you online and some of you in the room that you've not been here before, I, I thought you might want to know a little bit about what God has done as we've walked through this unknown time of COVID-19 and all the different things that have happened. And so I, I went and I, I made a list of the things that God has done with us as the people of God in the last year, in 2020. Um, please hear this list. It, it's pretty amazing to me. And while I'm, while I'm sharing this list about what God's done in and through our congregation, I want you to think about what God has done in your life. I'm serious about that. This is, this is not a rhetorical question because in just a minute I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to talk with each other about that. It's okay. For those of you who are new, sometimes it's okay to talk in church. And since we've got chairs now, it's easier than it used to be, all right? So I want you to hear some of what God has done, some of the activity that we rejoice in here. First of all, we, this congregation has given over $100,000 to missions beyond itself and beyond these walls in the last 12 months. In the middle of a pandemic, that's amazing. In that, that same time frame, over, over $75,000 has been given in designated fashion to upgrade places of our, of our congregation. The, the remodel that you're seeing here, we don't have to borrow money for that. There are people within this church who, who have given money for us to be able to, to make some changes that we needed to make in the life of this congregation and didn't have to take it out of the budget or anything like that. Oh, and speaking of the budget, when we went into the pandemic, all the experts around the world told us, you need to anticipate your church's income dropping anywhere from 20% to 50% because this thing is going to be horrible. And can I tell you, they were right. Our, our, our giving dropped. It, it did. It dropped. It dropped an entire 4%. 4%. Our, 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 do you not realize? That is like miraculous. I mean, we, we, we're in a situation where right now, 80% of the people who call Eastside their church home are watching us online. Uh, yes, there'll be a day when, when we'll have many more of us here on campus than we have today, but I'm so glad you're here. 
And what I've been amazed at is the way that you have continually, faithfully, on campus, on demand, online, made God's work a priority. And, and we've been able to, to partner with community organizations. And because of that giving, we've been able to do things like provide teachers at Eastside Elementary or Valley Grove Elementary or 10th Street Elementary or Liberty Christian Elementary with resources that, that they don't normally have. At Liberty Christian School, there, there are some children who, because they're there through a voucher system, sometimes they don't have lunch money because it's a private school. You need to know your resources are providing lunch for some of those students. At, at, at 10th Street Elementary, we've partnered for a number of years with, with that school and those teachers to, to offer once a month, uh, near the end of the month, when, when, uh, when, when the, the government checks are kind of running out and, and people are at the end of their, you know, it's that, that time when there's, there's more bills to pay than there is money to pay the bills in their home. And we've provided, along with the, the Second Harvest Food Bank, they've provided the food, we provide the volunteers. 10th Street Elementary has provided the, the venue and for, for parents to come. And, and over the last year, in the middle of a pandemic, hundreds, literally over a thousand families have, have received food once a month because of the partnership of this congregation and others through the community have other schools that they work with. And, and I, I just want you to understand the people of God have been making a difference. Here, here, here's two for you. Last year in January, we sent a missions team to Bangladesh, right? And, um, and those, that team went over and they helped uh, prepare a building to, to create a school, to start a school. But then COVID hit, and COVID hit there as well as it hit here. So in addition to the money and the people we had sent to help build this school, which by the way did open, it's got, I just saw pictures this week of its, of its new principal, the head of the school, and, and God is blessing them in great ways. But, but when Bangladesh shut down due to COVID, people were sent home from work, and those are people who basically use the money they make every day to buy the food they eat every day. And so because of this congregation, because of you, many of you, we were able to send money that was used to buy food for those children who would be a part of that school and those families in those communities. In South India, in South India, there was a, there was a church that had been praying for a piece of property for 10 years. For 10 years, they had been praying that God would open up the heart of an Islamic leader to give them the opportunity to buy the land in a Hindu country. And in the middle of a pandemic, suddenly the owner said, hey, yeah, I'll sell you the land, but they had no money for the land. So the leadership of the Church of God in South India contacted us and said, hey, Pastor Robinson, do, do you think East Side could help us do that. And guess what? Because of your faithful giving, we were able to send them the money. Now, sending money into India, I don't even, we're online, and some of the folks from India are watching me. I, so I'm not going to tell you how we did it, but we did it legally, all right? And we got it there, because it's not the easiest thing to do right now. And God blessed in amazing ways. And there are some of you some of you who have every week faithfully watched us online or on Facebook Live, or you've checked in with us on demand through the week. And throughout this whole time, God's been speaking into your life. You've been growing. He's been saying to you, hey, look, 
look, I, you're not alone. Rejoice in what I'm doing. And so what I want you to do right now, those of you on campus, now, those of you who are, who are at home, I want you to use this time in your family, if you've got family with you, to, to, uh, to do the same thing. But those of you on campus, you're, you're seated near somebody that, that you think is safe. Now, these rows are six feet apart. Know that, all right? So you're safe in, in this place. But you came with somebody. I want you to kind of circle up a little bit. Now, if you're here by yourself, uh, look around, see if you think the person close to you is safe. Stay six feet away from them. Whisper loud, all right? And I want you to tell each other what you've seen God, what God has done for you. Just one thing. You just, one thing. Are you ready? Just turn around and, and tell, yeah, you can talk in church, all right? It, it's okay. You can move the chairs if you want to. But one thing that in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of COVID-19, God has done that you could rejoice about. Go on, take a minute. Let's go ahead. Those of you at home, do the same thing. Take a minute. Think about what God has done. Rejoice in what God has done in your life. Okay, while, while, while those of us on campus are kind of wrapping up a little bit, those of you at home, in just a minute, we're going we're gonna to celebrate the Lord's table. And so, if you haven't yet, go ahead and, and gather together the bread and the cup that you have, what you have there. And those of you on campus here, uh, you can go ahead and reach underneath your chair. But here's what I want you to know. See, when you, when you celebrate and rejoice because God has been with you and you, and you didn't have to travel it alone, there's, there's something else that takes place. Uh, you, you see, you, you come to a spot in your life after you rejoice in what God has done that you recommit yourself. You, you recommit yourself to the mission of lifting up Jesus Christ as our hope for living. So right now, we're still in the middle of this thing, but there is, there is hope in Jesus Christ not only that He will travel with us or put other people around us to travel with us, but that, but that in the journey, we will grow. In the journey, we will see other people discover the joy of Jesus. And so, what we do as a church body is the same thing that, that Paul and Barnabas did in the city of Antioch. It's those first couple of verses, verse 1 and 2 of, of Acts chapter 15. I'm going to start reading at verse 28 of, of Acts chapter 14. Listen to it again. And they remained, Paul and Barnabas, no little time with the disciples at Antioch. Over a period of time they're there. But some men came down from Judea, and they were teaching the brothers and sisters that unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders and to ask this question. You see, Paul and Barnabas had gone all out throughout their world telling people, all you, all you need to know in the midst of a heartbreaking world is that God is with you, that, that Jesus came for you, that, that He died on the cross for your sins, and that on the third day He was resurrected and defeated sin and death and hell. And, and the fact is, 
you don't need to become a Jew to do that. This isn't just for Jewish people. This is for anyone who will bow the knee and confess Jesus Christ as Savior. And now here came some people from Jerusalem teaching a totally different thing. Paul writes in his letter to the church in Galatia, which by the way is the region that includes where he had just been, he and, Par he and Barnabas had been. And, he, and he's telling them about this discussion that happens and about the fact that, you know what, in, in Christ, that's all that we need is the faith in Jesus Christ. And he, he goes and recommits himself. And so this morning, what, what I want you to do, to consider doing, is recommitting yourself. As, as we walk our way out of this pandemic as the people of God, as you remember and rejoice in the ways God has been with you in 2020, I, I want to invite you to recommit yourself. Yes, renew the relationships. Make some new relationships. Discover people who will walk with you. But what I want to encourage you to do is to not just, not just renew your old relationships, and not just rejoice in what God has done in the past. But I want to invite you to, to recommit yourself to Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we do that is to uh, take the elements of the Lord's table. It's what Jesus had done with his disciples the night before he died. He took bread. He broke it. He gave it to them. And he said, every time you eat this, I, I want you to remember that I came and I lived and I died with you and for you. And, and then he took the cup and he said, look, every time you take this cup, I, I want you to remember, remember what I'm going to do for you on that cross tomorrow. That my blood is going to be shed and, and it's through my blood that forgiveness comes. Forgiveness for your sins. And, and so every time you take the bread and every time you drink the cup, remember me. And so whether you're at home or on campus, in these next few minutes as we worship together, I, I just want to encourage you at your own moment, at your own time, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've made him the Lord and Savior of your life, then I want you to, in just this time frame, before we wrap up today, I want you at your own discretion to take the bread and the cup and give thanks. But hear me, if you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've not crossed that line of faith where you say to Jesus, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm going to ask you to make me a brand new person. Then right now, this is a day that you can do that. Whether you're on campus with us or, or online with us or watching us who knows when on demand. There, there needs to be a moment in each of our lives where we either recommit ourselves to Jesus or whether we actually commit ourselves to Jesus for the first time. So in these next few minutes, that's my invitation to you. If you have bread and cup, let them be a reminder. If you've never made that commitment, let this be the day 
that you make that commitment.